Welcome back to 10 Questions. This week's guest is the smart, talented, and hilarious Chrissy Swan. She was an advertising copywriter before going on Big Brother in 2003. After that came a stint on regional radio in Queensland, Vega and Mix FM in Melbourne, and now Chrissy Salmon Brownie on Nova. In between, there were long-term TV stints on The Circle, Can of Worms, and The Great Australian Spelling Bee for Channel 10. Now she's back on the network tonight, February 28, hosting the Australian reboot of Would I Lie to You. In this interview, she talks about the psychological transformation she's undergone over the past year and how it's based on getting an adequate amount of sleep. We also discuss the rigors of radio performance reviews and the joys of being sacked. Now, we're under a bit of time pressure for this interview, so please forgive me for moving things along. But first, I ask Chrissy how she thinks her fellow workers would describe her. I think a bit bonkers, but full of energy and well-meaning. <laughs> I was talking to Dave O'Neill today, who's filling in for Jonathan Brown, and I said, and I've worked with Dave in breakfast, you know, 15 years ago, and then again here. Um, so I've worked with him probably the longest of anybody. And I said to him, how, how would you describe me, you know, as as you know, as a, as a coworker. And he said, very easy to work with and not an asshole. <laughs> oh, that's well, that's, that's high praise coming from Dave. It is high praise. It is high praise because he knows everybody and has worked with everybody. He, so yes, mm. yes. And you know, and I think he does put people in the groups, assholes and non-assholes. So. <laughs> exactly. I'm very, <laughs> I'm very glad to be in the former, but I think for me, this job is such a joy and is, such a high, I mean, it really is the highlight of my day that I, um, I still, this is my 19th or 20th year of it. And I still wake up excited about getting in the car and going to work, even though it's at stupid o'clock. I just love it. I know that there's going to be some fun. So it's never been a drag. I do arrive you know, jumping like Tigger, you know. That's brilliant. That's really great. I mean, <laughs> it's just a chronology. So did did you have any involvement in radio before Big Brother? Absolutely you- not. I was just a listener and a big fan of radio. I always listened to commercial radio and um and and loved it. Uh not everybody is a listener, you know. That that's mm. something that you you learn. Um but I was always a listener and then I did Big Brother. Um, in 2003, and Mike Perso, actually, who who does who I see every day um, here, he does breakfast on Smooth here in Melbourne, and he saw something in me on television when I was telling stories to everybody, and he's like, I reckon she'd be good for our new regional radio station that's that was that they were launching in Queensland, and uh, so he pursued me. It's the only time I've ever been pursued by a man (laughs) (laughs) romantically or otherwise um and he was very insistent and eventually because I I'm naturally a risk taker uh I thought all right I'll give it a go and it turned out to be an amazing change for me changed my life and I was 30 which at the time I mean now you look back and you think god 30 so young but at the time you know, 30, I was like, well, you know, I'm done. I've, I've chosen my career and this is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to be an advertising copywriter for the rest of my life. And, and that's that because I thought 30 was quite old. So it was a risky move, I guess, um, to pack everything up 
you know, in Melbourne and moved my entire life to Maroochydore. Yeah. Um, but I did it and it was, it was fantastic. I was incredibly lonely, but luckily I loved the job and I loved mm. the explosion of knowledge, you know, and skills that I was, I was getting. I, I loved that part. Yeah. That's what I really admire is that, is that you went to the regional station. So many people are catapulted from reality TV straight into Broadway mm. and they don't have that that kind of apprenticeship or, you know, settling in period. Where yeah. I actually feel sorry for those people because it is in a, it, it's an industry and a skill set like any other. Mm. And, you know, the three years I did in Queensland, uh, it was invaluable. And I draw on those skills every single day, even now, because we didn't have, uh, it was me and another guy. That was it. So I had to produce it find the guests, craft the breaks, answer the phones, fill out the prize <laughs> sheets, you know, everything. It really was an apprenticeship. I know how every little department runs in, in this radio station and that helped. I mean, we were, we did sales stuff. It was really amazing. Wow. Mm. Wow. That's fantastic. Well, we better get on a question too. Yes. Yes. Oh, what, what's the most unhelpful feedback you've received? Um, I think I've had two. Uh, first was from my very first boss in Queensland. He told me, who told me to laugh less. <laughs> and uh, because I didn't know anything and, you know, I laugh a lot. Like I value fun very highly and I do not go, I was going to say, I don't go a day without a good laugh. I really don't go an hour without a good laugh. And <laughs> if, you know, if I'm, I even found, I find that even if I'm by myself, I will purposely remember something funny that happened within the last 24 hours so I can laugh again at it. <laughs> I relive it, you know. So that was, um, that was very unhelpful feedback <laughs> uh, for somebody who finds a lot of different things funny. Um, and then when I came to Melbourne, um, I was told that my role was to be fun but not funny. Oh my god! Which which uh, are we allowed to say which station that was? Um, no. Yeah, it was it was Vega. It was the show I was doing with oh. uh, Dave O'Neill and and Dicko. Oh. So oh. I was told to be fun and not funny, and um, I sort of sat with it for a while, and I was finding it very difficult to not be funny because in my real life, you know, in my family, and since I was a baby. I'm the, I was the funny one. You know, there's, always, there's always a funny one in the yeah, family and that was me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I'm the funny, I'm, I was funny at school and, you know, I, I think I'm a funny person. That's what I do. And it was very difficult to not be funny and just be fun. That's oh a very hard thing God. to try and perfect. And did either of those things resolve that, that laugh less or, or that don't be funny? I mean, how did you... No, I couldn't do it. I would sort of find myself saying something funny and then, you know, the, the angry voice in my head going, don't do that. That was funny. Don't do that. <laughs> it's just very hard. Very I made, hard. I made Dave laugh. Oh, no. Yeah, that's right. That's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, question three is what is the failure you most cherish? Mm, this was a really hard one. And I think probably the failure I most cherish was when I, um, got the traditional 
asking from a job that I really loved and uh, uh-huh. and and really relied upon um, at um, the old mix in in Melbourne. Oh, it yeah, came yeah. as a it came as a huge surprise to me because we'd been number one in July and then in November the phone call stopped being returned and I can laugh about it now but it was a it was an extraordinarily difficult time and I did take it so personally but I think the reason I cherish it is that it taught me that I can't bundle my self-worth and self-esteem and who I am and my worthiness in, in into my job and I I really had in that job so when I got fired all those awful feelings of not being good enough. I'm an idiot. I'll never work again. I was never any good anyway. Um, Everyone hates me. All of that sort of stuff came up and I realized, well, that's not actually true. And I'm sure that, you know, somebody that, you know, loses a, a job that, you know, isn't quite so personal, doesn't then question their reason to live, you know, when they lose their job. So since then, I I love working and I never, ever want to not work in, in radio and television because it just thrills me so much. But I know that it doesn't define my worth as a human being. That's great. And how did, how did they tell you that you were fired? Actually, my manager told me while I was on air. Oh my God. I know. He texted me and said it was at about quarter to nine. We were still, we were in the middle of a break and my phone went off and it's always on silent, but I can see it light up with messages and I just, there'd been some talk. I was like, am I going to get this contract? Or like, look, we've got to sign it. It's November, you know, it's late. So I knew that, you know, there would be some communication going, but I was honestly expecting, yep, it's all done. And, uh, and I got a text going, they're letting you go. There's no, there's no contract for next year. Oh and God. I just remembered, I felt like, you know, when you let a bath out and there's, you know, a little shard of soap or a face washer or something, and it just gets sucked into that, oh. into that vortex. And I was on air and I was still talking live, but my brain had just turned into this vortex because I had three very small children yes. and I'm the only one that made money. Yes. So I'm like, what? Oh. What does this mean for us and my band of fools? What does it mean? <laughs> and um, so there, it was all sorts of terrible thoughts going through my head. But um, yeah, well, it, look, it wasn't a great day. But I always say, no matter how happy you are in your current situation, it will end badly. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. That there's you know, as Keating used to say about being prime minister, you're always taking out feet first. You know, it's, of course, yeah. of course. You know, and we, we'd been flying high only a few months before, and that was another thing that 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 failure taught me is that it will just know that no matter how happy you are, it will end badly, and they <laughs> will they will hate you, and you will hate them, 
and that's how it ends. It has to. It's that's the natural ending of things. Yes, it's so interesting. Um, question four is: If you could go back five years, what advice would you give yourself? Get some fucking sleep, you idiot. <laughs> Seriously, my God, I've only just admitted. Uh, well, no, it's actually not not just. It's sort of been eighteen months where I've just admitted that I'm actually a human being, and I mm. cannot go into my twentieth year of existing and trying to find the joy in life if I've only had four or five. Yeah. hours of sleep of broken sleep a night and <sighs> honestly i had i'd had you know 20 years of breakfast radio 19 years or whatever three kids and you know if anyone's had a kid or a puppy or a kitten or whatever they know they never fucking sleep <laughs> then i had three of them so if one of them wow. was sleeping another one was there was just always someone awake in the middle of the night. And regardless, I still had to get up and fashion an outfit and, you know, brush the nest out of my hair and turn up to a radio studio. So I, I had, I was so deeply sleep deficient for 19 years that I had to learn how to sleep again. I had to learn what to do. And I wish I had done it earlier because it's changed my life. So you went to sleep school? Pretty like, much. Yeah, yeah. Pretty much. It was, you know, by my own design. Oh, okay. But, you know, once I'd made the decision, the next thing was, Jesus, I don't know. I actually don't know how to do this. I don't, I don't know mm. how to do it. And it turns out it's actually very difficult. And every decision you make in the previous 16 hours before you put your head on that pillow affects your sleep. And now I've absolutely unlocked the key. I never get less than seven hours, which is a miracle. That's brilliant. It is brilliant. And it has changed my life. It has brought, it's meant that I enjoy my life. Oh, that I'm really, I'm really happy for you, you know, because I, you know, I don't have your pressures of getting up early, but it is the battle that I think a lot of adults have, you know, we absolutely do because we don't, we don't value it. Mm. And, and I tell my kids, the quicker you can get on board the sleep thing and realize that it's as important as water and nutrition and, you know, doing things for yourself, all of those really important kind of mental health uh, milestones, sleep is chief among them, chief. I guess this goes into the next question. What about your job keeps you awake at night? Nothing. <laughs> absolutely nothing nothing That's does great. because i'm i'm now so tired by the end of it i don't even have time for my anxiety that's brilliant did it, did it at one stage yeah absolutely because i was so it, it's a, you know it's a cycle if you're exhausted you don't have any energy to plan anything you don't have any energy for inspiration or creativity or doing activities yeah. You know, you don't actually have the energy to, to live and, you know, have a, have a nice and reasonable life. And now, and, and so of course the anxiety of like, shit, what am I going to talk about tomorrow? I haven't done anything. I can't talk about sitting on my couch like a zombie, you know, wondering when this will end. That's not a great uplifting. <laughs> that's not a great uplifting break. 
Um, but it just sort of all fell into place when I was rested. It oh. really has been an, um, a miracle. That's great. It's mm. great. I would have loved the uh, existential sitting on the couch uh, dystopian thoughts. Yes. Oh, God. <laughs> I, there were plenty one. of them. There were plenty of them. <laughs> plenty of them. But also with this job, I mean, now, you know, we're so well supported um, and good. it very rarely happens. But, you know, if there are times when I, you know, maybe I've been super busy, like when I was filming Would I Lie to You? I was doing the show in the morning and then I was literally on set all day. So that kind of eats into your relatable, oh, I was in the supermarket the other day. I wasn't yeah, yeah. in the supermarket that day. I was, I was absolutely locked away in the studio. Yeah. Um, but I, we're so well supported here that it's absolutely fine to turn up and go, I've got nothing. You know, we can go, go back and find things that maybe haven't been used before or recycle things or, or, you know, some, sometimes we're just a passenger on that day and that, yeah, that's yeah. fine as well. Yeah, that's good. There's one yeah. of you that you do the heavy lifting. Exactly. There's always someone. Yeah. Um, what's an obstacle you've had to overcome? The whole um, working like I don't have a family and parenting like I don't have a job has been huge for me. And I think for a long time I was dishonest to both parties as to how much I was struggling to make sure nobody knew that I had other commitments. Um, at work, I always felt very uncomfortable saying, oh, I've got to go to a dental appointment with my son so I can't do this or do that. So I felt uncomfortable for a very long time. And frankly, with good reason, because one of my employers really made it incredibly difficult for me to even go to an obstetrician's appointment. Oh, my God. Um, so that wasn't imagined for women no. that work and that have children that feel like they have to sneak around Um for their other life and it's a whole other life and it's a really big life. Um, that is absolutely real. And I feel like it's changing, but that's in the last 10 years, mm. eight years that that happened to me. Um, and then equally with my family, um, you know, it was only this year and my kids are 13, 10 and eight. It was only, no, not this year. It was last year that I sort of had to call a family meeting and say, I can no longer survive this being the first person out of the house and the last person asleep. Mm. That's not sustainable anymore for me, for my mental health, for my physical health, for the enjoyment of my life. I need to be able to recharge so that I can keep on doing what I love to do with you and at work. But there is that sort of dishonesty that, that a lot of women do indulge in with their families and their employers to make sure that they get to keep their roles uh, and, and also make sure the kids don't feel like they're second best. And, and, they, and they went along with that and suddenly, and they've changed as a result? Look, for the first two weeks, um, 
my daughter was upset because I wasn't reading anymore because I would read every night to them and all of that. But I sort of thought, Jesus Christ, you're in grade two. <laughs> it's time to read yourself. Like, you know, I, I, you can do this. And she, I was doing it for me. I was doing it to assuage my guilt. Yeah, yeah. You know, that I didn't, I, ne- I have never dropped them to school because I'm here in, this, in the radio studio and I, that's been their life. Mm. and you know all of that guilt that we buy into it's absolute bullshit it's absolute bullshit they're fine they're fine yeah um and now they're they're used to it and I just I try and kind of my whole sort of motto is you know authenticity and honesty and so I just like to be I don't want to give them anything to doubt so at eight o'clock every night, wherever they are in the house, I'll track them down and look them in the eye and say, good night, I'm going to bed now. So they're not like, oh, God, where's mum? Oh, she's, you know, that awful yeah. sort of mystery. I make sure they know exactly where I'm going and why. And uh, and then I, it's bliss. I go upstairs and it's so nice. That's great. Good on you. You've, yeah. you've cha- that's a big, it's a big sea change. Um what which I know you've got to go soon. Which word or phrase do you most overuse? I say absolutely a lot. Oh, <laughs> absolutely. It's a it's a very emphatic agreement with whatever anyone's saying. <laughs> but I also say, oh my God, I would rather die. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of I would rather die. Um, <laughs> you know, I I tend not to do things I don't want to do, and I'm fairly brutal about that. I'd rather um, die. <laughs> I would rather die. And I use it quite like it's a very dramatic statement, and I use it for very non-dramatic things. Like, um, <laughs> like oh, look, there's a there's a, park, a car park here. Do you want to take it or do you want to run the risk of getting closer? And I'm like, I would rather die than take that car space. <laughs> Uh, so I, I, I definitely overuse it. I also say what my, I asked my friend yesterday, well, what do you overuse? And he said, oh, you always say, what a dick. <laughs> what a dick. Um, yeah, I've got a, I've got a very, very sensitive what a dickometer. It doesn't take much to earn a what a dick. Ugh, what a dick. <laughs> um, question eight, how do you remain calm under pressure? Oh God, it's such a boring answer, but I just make sure that I am like match fit every day Mm. for what life throws at me because I'm naturally a very anxious person. I need to break the day down into you know, I just, I, I, every time I wake up, I say to myself, okay, you've got 16 hours. That's mm. it. You've got mm. 16 hours, anything out of that, you can't control. Mm. Um, you know, the following 16 hours you can't control. So this is it. You've got 16 hours from now until you go to bed. What are you going to do with them? And, you know, over the previous few days, I've locked in things to do. And so I get some comfort from routine and I can honestly say if I'm planned well enough and I'm 
relaxed enough going into any situation, I don't feel pressure. And I think I've also learned about myself is that I'm a natural risk taker. I, I go towards danger. And That's I think a lot of, yeah. And I think a lot of people, you know, avoid those situations because of the pressure mm-hmm. and how uncomfortable that makes them feel. But I get a rush from it. Yeah. I get a rush from it. And um, I'm relying on that more now that I don't drink and I'm exercising all the time and I'm so fucking boring and I'm in bed and I'm reading and looking <laughs> after my stupid mental health all the time. So when there's, when there's something a little bit dangerous, I am like a moth to a flame. I, I love that. Uh, that's great. Uh, career high and career low. Career high. Um, would be uh, I did a TV show for two years called The Circle, which was just women talking shit for a couple of hours every day live on television. I loved that it was live. I loved the women I worked with. They were incredible. Um, And we got to do a whole show with Lily Tomlin. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was back in the day when people would visit us in, um, in this country. And for some reason, she loved the show. And she's like, I'm going to come and do the whole show. So I had two, it was two and a half hours with Lily Tomlin and it was magical. I loved every minute of it. And I made her laugh several times. And I was just, I was, I was like an out of body experience. I was like, you just, just feel this feeling and see this vision of Lily Tomlin laughing at something you have said. It was wow. really amazing. And we cooked in the kitchen. It was like a fever dream. Yeah. It was, it was magical. Oh, my God. And I would say um, the low light. Oh, look, I tell you what, probably it, when I was in Queensland doing my apprenticeship, it was great fun, but it was a lot of work and mm. we would work after the show until two or four o'clock at, at, you know, in the evenings, we would be at schools. It was crazy hours. And then we would yeah. work all weekend, um, you know, doing outside broadcasts in car parks in full sun in Kiwana oh. Island. And, you know, it was just a real lot. And I would say probably, um, you know, one of those outside broadcasts at a big cart track at four o'clock in the morning on a Sunday. <laughs> it was probably had me thinking, this is not great. This yeah. is not a great plan. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. I can imagine. Mm. Um, final question. Do you have a motto? Every day, a new adventure. And get some sleep. And get some sleep, you fucking idiot. Thank you so much for tuning in to 10 Questions. We'd also like to thank all the guests that appear on the show. And if you have a minute, please subscribe via iTunes or your podcast app and leave us a rating. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach me on Twitter at Adam Zwa. So until next time, thanks for joining us.